Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Hello, as Viv just told you, my name is Tabitha, um, and I've been asked today to speak on building walls in the community. I'm not going to lie, when Viv first asked me to preach on this, my gut instinct was not for me. Um, I've never been a pastor of compassion. I've never worked for a charity in my whole life. And to be honest, when I see my neighbours, I'm often trying to run away and not catch their eye. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry guys, I'm that person. So you could see why I was planning to turn it down. But I thought before I turn it down, I should probably read the passage in order to give an extensive reason why it's not for me. And then I read the passage and I'll tell you why in a minute. But after reading the passage, I realized this is exactly the preach I meant to do. So before I tell you, little sneak thing, we're going to watch a video on the Bible passage. Some people have told me that this um, Nehemiah chapter 3 is a little bit dry. I think it's hilarious. And me and my husband Paul have spent some time this week putting a video together to highlight all of that. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Nehemiah. Chapter 3, Builders of the Wall. Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur son of Imri built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimuth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazabel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Barna, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Jeshinar gate was repaired by Joada, son of Pesiah and Meshulam, son of Besadiah. They laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by the men from Gibeon and Mizpah, Melatiah of Gibeon and Jadon of Merinoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Ha-Hayar, <laughs> one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. And Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, repaired made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Rephaiah, son of Hur, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Judiah, son of Haramath, made repairs opposite his house. And Hattush, son of Hashabaniah, made repairs next to him. Melchijah, son of Harim, and Hashub, son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section of the Tower of the Ovens. Shalom, son of Halohesh, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. 
The valley gate was repaired by Hanun and the residents of Zenoa. They rebuilt it and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. They also repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the Dung Gate. The Dung Gate was repaired by Malkijah, son of Rakab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakarem. He rebuilt it and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. The Fountain Gate was repaired by Shalun, son of Kolhazar. Hazar, ruler of the district of Mizpah. He rebuilt it, roofing it over and putting its doors and bolts and bars in place. He also repaired the Wall of Pool of Siloam by the King's Garden as far as the steps going down from the city of David. Beyond him, Nehemiah, whoop whoop, son of Azbuk, ruler of the district of Beth Zer, made repairs up to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool of the House of the Heroes. Next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites under Rehum, son of Bani. Beside him, Hashabiah, ruler of the half-district of Kalar, carried out repairs of his district. Next to him, the repairs were made by their fellow Levites under Binwi, son of Henadad, ruler of the other half of the district of Kalar. Next to him, Azur, son of Yeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section from a point facing the ascent to the armory, as far as the angle of the wall. Next to him, Baruch, son of Zabai, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the entrance of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Next to him, Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired another section from the entrance of Eliashib's house to the end of it. The repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding region. Beyond them, Benjamin and Hashub made repairs in front of their house, and next to them, Azariah, son of Masiah, the son of Ananiah, made repairs beside his house. Next to him, Benui, son of Henadad, repaired another section from Azariah's house to the angle in the corner. And Palal, son of Uzai, worked opposite the angle and the tower projecting from the upper palace near the court of the guard. Next to him, Padiah, son of Parosh, and the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel made repairs up to a point opposite the water gate towards the east of the projecting tower. Next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great projecting tower to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests made repairs each in front of his own house. Next to them, Zadok, son of Immer, made repairs opposite his house. Next to him, Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the guard at the east gate, made repairs. We're getting there. Next to him, Hananiah, son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zaleph, made repairs repaired another section. Next to them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, made repairs opposite his living quarters. And next to him, Malkijah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and the merchants opposite the inspection gate and as far as the room above the corner. And between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. The end. Wow, I hope you enjoyed that fun six minutes. Um, me and my husband certainly had fun doing all the drawings for it and singing our little songs, little 
insight to our home life there. Um, so yeah, as I said before, there was a reason why I felt, actually, I'm meant to give this talk. This is what changed my mind. My job for a living is that I'm a sculptor and sometimes I sculpt for film. And the funny thing is, the last month I have spent every single day building walls. I'm not joking, giant pillars, arches that would fill this entire room. I have been carving, I've been building, I've been doing backbreaking work with amazing group of people at all ages, all different walks of life. And it made me laugh out loud so much after being about to turn down this talk that I've actually been walking in the very shoes of Nehemiah and all his pals. Now, granted, um, the walls I've been making have been made out of polystyrene, and I'm fairly sure they won't be around in 500 years' time. But I've been having some thoughts about what I've learned over the last month, and I thought maybe I could share with you some of my reflections from this time. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you what I've learned from building walls, and then the two biggest blockages that are going to stop you building your own walls. Great. So this is my first point. This is what I've learned over the last month. Building walls builds community. Have you ever had a friend at church, maybe? Let's go for this church analogy. If you imagine the before times when churches were in buildings. Um, Imagine you have a friend and you think you know them, you see them every week around, it's like five years have gone by, yeah, I know that guy. And then one day you overhear him talking to someone and he's talking about his job and you're like, oh my gosh, I never knew he did that for a living. And then you slowly look at him and you're like, I don't know anything about this guy. I don't know what his thoughts are, what, his, what he hates, what he likes. I don't even know if he's a Christian. I don't, I don't know anything. Well... Let me tell you, building walls, from my experience, has been the complete opposite of that analogy. Because, you see, when you build walls, your hands are really busy, but your mind is free. You're not thinking about words or anything. And your focus isn't on intensely on each other, it's on building the wall in front of you. And this creates something amazing because you can talk about literally anything without it being too intense. So within my first day at work, everyone knew I was a Christian. We discussed how, for me, God is about, is, represents love. God is real. God loves me. How it's all about loving others well. Within the first week, we discussed politics, religion, sexism, marriage, children. We traded our life stories. We traded our backstories. Within the first month, we'd laugh together. We'd cry together. We'd dance together at a socially distance. And um, we'd been angry with one another. We'd been worried about our jobs. We'd shared our hopes, our dreams. We'd been exhausted. We'd got to the point of giving up and we'd all got up again at 5 a.m. the next morning to do the whole thing all over again. You see, building walls builds community. Now, I've got a secret to tell you about Nehemiah and I wanted to leave it to the end of this talk is like the big reveal, but I realize that this point is too important, so I'm gonna tell you it now. Rebuilding the walls 
it wasn't about rebuilding the walls. Um, you see, so Nehemiah and Ez, the book of Ezra is all about rebuilding the temple, and they used to be the same book. It was called Nehemiah and Ezra. No, it's called Ezra and Nehemiah, I believe. I can't remember. It's not important. But um, the point is, Nehemiah was all about rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. Ezra is the book of Zerubbabel rebuilding the temple. And so they get to all of this, their mates are doing it. And in Ezra 3, the elder priests, they look at what has been made and they start to wail. They start to cry because what they've made is nothing compared to what it used to be. It's nothing compared to Solomon's former glory. Now, you think that's a scoop. Wait for this one, because I, I don't know if the church are going to keep me on the camera for this. I'm about to blow the book of Nehemiah up. If Nehemiah had done his homework and listened to the prophets, there was this contemporary prophet about 40 years before Nehemiah was written. He's called Zechariah. You can look him up. If Nehemiah had done his homework, if he'd read his Bible, he would have seen that there weren't meant to be any more walls. I know, right? This is all for nothing. Zechariah prophesied. I'm actually going to, let's get the passage up on the screen. This is what Zechariah prophesied. Then I looked up and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, where are you going? He answered, to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and long it is. I think that's Nehemiah. While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet him and said to him, run and tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the wall, and I will be its glory within. There wasn't even meant to be walls, guys. Jesus, Lord, the Holy Spirit was meant to be the wall because there was meant to be so many people from all nations coming to this city. So what the heck is Nehemiah doing? And more importantly, why is God answering Nehemiah's plans to do this when God specifically said he didn't want walls in the first place? Whew. Well, God did answer Nehemiah's request to build the wall. And I think he did because it wasn't really about the wall. Just as the job club that we used to run, it's not really about the jobs. And the, the language school teaching English, it's not really about teaching English. Building walls isn't about building the walls. So what was it really about? Well, maybe I do think Nehemiah is silly and he should have read his homework and his Bible and saved himself a great deal of pain, but I do believe Nehemiah was a man of integrity and his heart was in the right place and he wanted to do something for the Lord. And not only that, he didn't want to do it alone. He wanted to include everyone. He believed that everyone had a place to do their bit. And all these things that we do and all the things that Nehemiah did, what it was really about was chasing God's heart, building community, serving the other, listening to God's word, carrying out his plans, being his hands and his feet for the community. And if you think about it, think about that thing you have in your head that you've been meaning to get around to it. The idea of doing it feels pretty good. It feels pretty right. It's not about simply building the wall. It's building the relationships that count. So that's what I've learned over this last month. 
That's my first point about building walls builds community. Now, I realize I've just stood here <laughs> and I have given you the least applicable situation that you can take into your lives because so few of you are ever going to physically have an opportunity where you get to physically build giant polystyrene walls with a bunch of, of different people. It's the least applicable thing I could have said. And most of you actually shouldn't be trying to do that. If you can work at home, work at home right now. And to be honest, if a lot of you, the clever ones, I see you, and you're like, oh, I know where Tabitha's going with this. She's going to talk about a kind of um, metaphorical spiritual wall. And a lot of you are picturing that metaphorical spiritual wall and you're thinking, mate, I don't have the mental energy to reply to a text message I was sent three days ago, let alone start building a holy metaphorical spiritual wall. And to that, I say fair play. Hear me out, okay? I'm going to talk about these blockages now. So, the first blockage we have in stopping us from creating something good is that life is too hard right now. Life is. Life is too hard right now. And to that, again, I say fair play, especially when it comes to thinking about the big picture stuff. There's been days in the last year where I haven't even wanted to get out of bed, let alone build a wall. This is a great sadness that we're all experiencing. It's real. It's the most overwhelming experience most of us have ever had in our lives. And it's so easy to paralyze you beyond any action, big or small. And to that, I just want to say, a few years ago, I was, it was like a picture came into my head from God and it like, it fell out of me. And I just had to put it in my journal. And dare I say it, I think that picture was for just such a time as this. So I'm going to put that picture on the screen now. And it says, dare to let him take the burdens and hide in the shadow of his wings. Then, once you're free, all you need to do is ask, what shall I do today? Let's never forget what the whole Bible is really about. It's actually all about Jesus, to the point where if I ever hear a sermon that doesn't mention Jesus, I'm like, nah. You missed the point, mate. Because we can't do anything without first freeing ourselves of all our rubbish, without first getting rid of our sin and our burdens. And Nehemiah and Zerubbabel, it was like, you know, an amicable effort and all of that. But spoiler alert, dare I tell you what happens in the end of Nehemiah, it didn't work out. All the people, they went back to their old ways. They started desecrating the Sabbath, neglecting the temple, desecrating Nehemiah's precious walls with markets. They wanted to bring about what the old prophets, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, had said about the new Jerusalem and the new rules, walls. But they were going about it in the wrong way. Because as Christians, we know that these prophecies could only really have been fulfilled in a very different kind of temple. You see, in the New Testament, um, there's a few times where the Pharisees ask Jesus for a sign. And, and every time he says, I'll give you a sign, knock down the temple, 
and I'll rebuild it in three days. He wasn't referring to a physical temple. We all know he was killed and he was rebuilt in three days. Jesus is the only one who can be the gate to a relationship with God. He's the only one who can be a real temple. Because by dying for us, what he did was he took all of our sin, all of our burdens, all of our crap, and he killed it with himself upon the cross. So the truth is, to be honest, we don't have the hope of building anything that will, be of la- that will last without going through Jesus first. Now I'm gonna give you your own, very own application for that. Um, Hopefully you listened to Viv and you got your pen and paper. I'm just gonna wander over here. Can you follow me camera, great. Look at this, here's one I prepared earlier. So here's the application. And don't worry, I'm gonna keep this so simple that anyone can draw it. I want you to draw this wall which I've just actually said, the only real wall is Jesus. So what we can do is we just put a little head here, little hands there, and you'll see this is Jesus on the cross. And what I want you to do right now is to think of all of the burdens that you're carrying all of the stuff you're carrying, and you can write it down, and you can, you can draw it if you fancy it, or if you're not artistically inclined, just write it down. Maybe it's apathy. Maybe you're tired, you're angry. Maybe you're sad or lonely. Maybe it's something more specific. Maybe you are, maybe you're struggling with sleep. There's been a lot of that recently. Write down whatever your thing is, or maybe you can't even put words to it, and it's just an overwhelming sense of gloom. Just do that. And then I want you to imagine yourself. And for now, I just want you to draw a little circle. And that circle, that represents you. You have all the space, all the freedom now. You've cast your burdens upon Jesus. You've got all the freedom to do whatever it is you want to do. Now, I gave this talk to my husband a few days ago. He's now here listening to it for the third time, bless him. And he suggested that if we're going with the wall analogy and we have to do this before we can build a wall, then really Jesus is the foundation of the wall. You guys sound interesting. I was like, that's so cheesy. (laughs) But then I went away and I took it to God and God said, Paul's right, that is right. Because by dying for us, by God becoming the least, he flipped the world on its head and changed all the rules. And I want you to get your piece of paper and turn it upside down. Because now look how free you are. You get to walk on all of this, that's beneath you now. It's been taken away and you're free. All right, follow me back here. (laughs) Great, thank you. Need my notes.
So that's the first blockage. The first blockage is basically life is hard, you're tired, and we've come up with a solution for that over there. The second blockage is comparison or thinking we have to do it all. I'm going to put them in the same camp. Now, you may think, oh, wow, listening to Tabitha and the community she's built at her work, that's amazing. I could never do that. Well, some people would say, oh, with God, you can do everything. I'm actually controversially going to say maybe you couldn't. And as I said before, maybe you shouldn't. Like, a lot of you should be working at home right now if you can. <laughs> but I look at... I look at Zeke and Ellie Rink and the way they can talk to their neighbours. And I know that I couldn't do that. And I look at Kristen, our Compassions Ministry person, and I know I couldn't do that. And I look at, <laughs> I look at Alexander McLean equipping death row inmates with tools to bring about their own justice, and I certainly couldn't do that. I could go on and on and on, not least talking about my sister, Holly, and her husband, Elias, who run the Battersea site. There is so much in this church that I couldn't do. And the great thing is, I'm not meant to. I've got the wall up here. Do you see it? This is the wall from the reading. Everyone had their own little bit of wall to do. They're not meant to do the whole wall. No one could do the whole wall. They'd die. Everyone's meant to do their own little bit. Because so often I do, I think I have to do everything. And, and then I, or I think I have to do the same amazing thing as that person next to me. And then it becomes so much and I have so much of my own stuff going on that it exhausts me to the point where I can't even be bothered to start in the first place. But church isn't supposed to be a football match where hundreds of people who need some exercise watch 11 people who really need a rest do all of the work. <laughs> and I know it feels like that right now because you're all sitting on your sofas and you're watching me and there's about 11 people working really hard behind the scenes right now. But the amazing thing about Vineyard 61 is we've never been about the Sundays We've never been about the service. We're all about the lifestyle, living, breathing, eating, serving others, serving God, building community, being Jesus' hands and feet wherever you are in the world, whenever you are in the world. And if you don't know your thing, if you're stuck with your piece of paper right now and there's that big wide open space, just take a moment. Just take a moment and ask God. I really believe God speaks to us. Not often in like a lightning bolt TV screen kind of way, but just in a sense kind of way. Maybe it's just texting back that friend or sending a letter to someone who's particularly lonely or sad right now. Maybe it's praying for someone and you don't even have to tell them. Maybe for some of you, you don't have any time to do anything, but you do have some money. Or maybe some of you have no money at all, but you do have some time you can give. And there's plenty of things the church can ask you to help with if you're interested. And I think there might also be... Sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. Yeah, I just want to say, God will never give you more than your capacity. He'll never hand you more bricks than you can carry. Remember, this whole wide open space, it's just, what can I do 
today. And I think for some of you, you might go to God, you might ask him, and actually the answer is that you're injured. And the thing you can do best is rest up. I say this because 10 days ago, whilst building the wall, I really, really hurt my back. Michael, I really feel for you right now. And I, I wanted to carry on. I felt, yeah, I have to carry on. I have to build this wall. I work freelance. I can't lose my job. But my boss said to me, we need you to go home and rest. We need you to take the day off. That is your job tomorrow, is to rest and to get better so that you can work on the wall the day after tomorrow. And that's what I did. And my back got better, praise the Lord. And I went back to work on the wall the next day. And if there's some of you who still feel like you can't hear God, I mean, do, honestly, after this service, take more time. But if you still don't, can I just say, I'm a really big fan in the Forrest Gump anointing. And that is where you look at what's in front of you and you do it to your very best ability. And as Christians, we do it for the Lord and you see where it takes you. That's what I've always done. And I've had the most crazy, exciting life that I'm so grateful for. My mum, she's a high introvert which as a vicar's wife, I think can be a real struggle because people are always expecting you to like be speaking out in the community and that's just not her thing. But last year, she, during the pandemic, obviously, we're still in it, during the first lockdown, she looked around her house and she thought, what can I do? And she saw that she was surrounded by fabric and she started doing the thing in front of her. She started making masks and selling them and giving the money away to charity she ended up making over 150 masks. And I don't feel as good or amazing as that woman. I don't think I could do that. But that's okay, it's not my bit of the wall to do. I've got my bit to be getting on with. So the second point is comparison or feeling like you have to do it all. And I just say, just focus on your bit of the wall and ask God, what is it you want me to do today? Now, I just want to finish by saying this isn't all about us. I think I've talked a lot about me and I. It really is primarily about serving others, but you can only do that when you're in a good place to do it. And I just want to say that when you do it, when you do the thing that God is asking you to do, however big or small, whether it's sending that text message or saving the planet... It feels really, really good. Last November, I was in a bit of a low spot. I was full of comparison. I was looking around at all of those, being like, you know, who's seeing who? Uh, what's happening? You know, I was getting really, really low. And Kristen, our compassions minister, she gave a talk on loving your neighbor. And again, that just flipped everything on its head for me. I no longer went from navel-gazing, woe is me, in my own sadness, but it became, what can I do for those who are worse off for me? And I just felt so happy. I felt so light, so relieved of my burdens. A more extreme version of that story, I remember Steve sharing a story a few years ago about a man who rang him on the brink of suicide. And Steve said, come meet me this time in this place. So this poor man shows up. And what does Steve do? 
He gets him to start serving on healing on the streets. And this man's like, what are you doing? It's me that needs the help, not these people on the streets. But as he started doing as he was told and helping others, slowly and surely the transformation began as he stopped looking on himself and started looking. So what can I do for you, God, today? So just as the band come up, maybe you can follow me over to this diagram again. <laughs> I just want you to take a moment as the band play and think, sorry, that wasn't like a thing. I mean, like once they start playing, start thinking. Oh, what a coincidence, the band is playing. Really ruined the moment there, guys, I'm sorry. but. Hey, God's bigger than that. So, yeah, where are you? Are you here still? Are you in the gloom? Are you carrying the burdens? Is this time of Chloe's beautiful playing, is this the time to just start giving these burdens one by one over to Jesus and letting him carry them for you? Or maybe you feel free of your burdens Maybe you've done that in this talk and you're feeling pretty good right now. Then maybe take this time to start asking God, what can I do today? Doesn't have to be a five-year plan unless you really want it to. And just start writing down what it is. And do this every day. I often do. God, what can I do today? I have such a small capacity today. And maybe it'll just be like, hey, text this person. Let them know you're thinking about them. And I think there's a third category, as I said, and that's for people who need healing, whether it's mental, physical, emotional. And I just want to say the amazing thing is you don't have to do it alone. No one on this wall was alone. They did it as a community, and we are so here for you today as a community reach out, get prayer. As Zeke said, prayer works. It's amazing. I'm just going to finish in prayer. Lord, thank you that you are able to meet with every single person in this room today, in their rooms, in every living room, in every bedroom, in every kitchen. You are there. Thank you that whether we're still drowning in a sea of burdens we're ready to go or we're in pain you're ready to meet us exactly where we're at thank you that there's nothing you can't help us with no burden too big Jesus says my yoke is easy and my burden is light and that's because he's taken our heavy ones for us Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.